Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Greetings and welcome to Starkville. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for The Athletic and I am joined once again by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer and the voice of Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN Radio, Doug Glanville. So Doug, Happy New Year. Yes, happy twenty twenty four. Yeah, what's your what's your rule on when it's too late to wish your friends and loved ones a happy new year? You would know these things. First time you see them, you could say it. So I'm going to wish a lot of people in April happy new year. <laughs> so yes. it's the first time, no matter when it is. Doesn't just, matter. Okay, don't Doesn't like matter. ignore the calendar. Up, oh, that's good to know because I've never, mm-hmm. I've never been comfortable with that. Uh, hey, we have a fantastic edition of Starkville today, Bruce Bochi manager of that Rangers team that won the World Series, will join us. Mm. But uh, before we get to Boach, we have some cool bit of news. Um, Mm. Just a few minutes before we started recording this, um, I got mixed up in an incredible announcement. Um, Doug, I have been elected to the National Sportscasters and Sports Writers Hall of Fame uh by the national sports media association and it's amazing right when the Mm. ballot came out i actually told my family i'd probably finish last and i won (laughs) (laughs) so incredible all right oh it's incredible and look you know we we, i know you shower me with all my job descriptions but we're gonna have to have like whole whole uh (laughs) fame titles here to go with it uh, yeah, that was incredible. Well deserved, and um, you know, especially you—you you straddled those worlds so well, right? Sports casting, sports writing, as well as anyone, and I think that's got to you know give you those extra points, right, to get out of the basement. So um, <laughs> clearly, they recognize that, and and you're still doing it. So adapted to modern technology, old school sensibility, <laughs> total package, man. I, I appreciate it, man. Um, I'm just going to read you a few of the names of some of the other sports writers in this Hall of Fame. Yeah. Red Smith, Damon Runyon, Dan Jenkins, Roger Angel, Grantlin, Rice, our good friend Peter Gammons, and so many more. I I can tell you, Doug, it just gives me goosebumps 
to say those names. And now somehow I'm one of those names. It's just surreal, honestly. Um, I'll be honored on uh, July 1st. There's a whole weekend. The big NSMA awards event in North Carolina goes on for three days. Uh, I'm going in just so you know, with the late great Roger Kahn, the author of Boys of Summer, uh, and three amazing broadcasters, Joe Buck, Tim McCarver, and Andrea Kramer. So I I don't know. How cool is that? It's just it's just too cool. Yeah. Well, just think back to I first read your column when I was in college in Philadelphia. Wow. And uh right away clicked. It was different. It was fun. It was funny. And ever since then, <laughs> so we got, we go back 30 plus years, man. It's amazing. Yeah, that's right. And fun and funny is though I've, I've ridden that whole ticket as long as far as I can ride it. <laughs> hey, out of curiosity, how, how many halls of fame are you in? I'm thinking like with all your different jobs and claims to fame, <laughs> player, broadcaster, teacher, dad, you could be in double figures. Yeah. I I'm in a few. I am in a few. Yeah. Um, the University of Pennsylvania, I think the the sports, wow. um, maybe it's the baseball one. I don't know. Somewhere it's one. <laughs> it's one of those. I'm in. Uh, I think I'm in a New Jersey sports as well because I remember going. I want to say Bill Parcells was honored that year, so it was a while ago. And um, so there's a couple. You know, Teaneck, my hometown. You know, Teaneck High School Hall of Fame. So I have a few, but uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not the. Now you made me think about. It. Now I look this stuff up. So I, I, wow. So I think I might actually be in more halls of fame than you. That's crazy to me. Probably. But I predict and yours are yours are just a little bit bigger than mine. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I've, had, I've had a couple. Big T-NAC ones. National Baseball. You know, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna pass me at some point. I, I know you will. But at any rate. Um, had to share that news with you and with everybody in Starkville. You've been stuck listening to me now for what, how, many, what, how many years we've we done this? This is year four, year five of this podcast. Year five, year five. Yeah. So Stark, we're we're headed for the Hall of Fame, my friend. Yeah. Uh, all right, Doug. What do you say we welcome in our special guest in Starkville this week? It is the one, the only. The legendary manager of those Texas Rangers, Bruce Bochy. Boach, welcome back to Starkville. Well, Jason, it's good to be here. Be back with you. Thanks for having me on. So excited you could do this. Uh, this is actually my first chance to congratulate you in person for winning that World Series. Since I had such good timing that I picked that week to get sick and missed the whole <laughs> World Series. So congratulations, man. I'm really happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. Much appreciated. Uh, you know, I know you've done this before, but I'm curious, how would you describe what made this one different than those World Series that you won in all those even years in San Francisco? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're all different in their own ways, you know, just like your kids, I guess, uh, and all special in their own way. And, but this one did remind me a little bit of the first one, San Francisco, and the fact that in 2010, that was the first time that there was a, you know, a championship in San Francisco with the Giants. Uh, you know, they had won many, but that was in New York. So uh, to see, you know, to see how many people it impacted and, uh, and how excited everybody was, I mean, that blew me away. I mean, winning the World Series, I I mean, that's obvious. It's going to 
impact you, but just to see how many people that, uh, you know, you, you saw get impacted. Uh, and it was very similar with the Rangers. Uh, I, I mean, when we had that parade, you, it just blows you away. And this was the first for them in Texas. So that's why I say they're a little similar, you know, teams are different. Uh, how we did, it was a little bit different, but, uh, that first time, there's nothing like it, I think, for, you know, ownership, fans, everybody. And, and so, you know, be part of that's what made it so special. Yeah, it's amazing. I actually want to circle back to that in, in a little while. But I, I also want to ask you a question that I asked Dusty Baker a few ma- months after he won. Uh, who would you say was the coolest, most famous person that you heard from <laughs> After that World Series, I mean, Dusty was dropping the names of presidents, Grammy winners, <laughs> half the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I, I can't wait to hear who was reaching out. To yeah, no, I, I didn't have uh, any presidents, uh, uh, you know, give me a call or anything. But, uh, you know, it's it's amazing the number of texts that I got or even calls uh you know, and I, I do have some friends who are musicians, uh, Brooks and Don. Uh, uh, one I'll mention that I thought was the funniest is right after we won, uh, Huey Lewis texts and said, hey, what you been up to? <laughs> I love <laughs> that's his sense of That's his sense of humor. But, uh, you know, so it's it, your phone just keeps going off. And uh, so a lot of special friends, I guess, uh, that were close to me, not so no, I didn't have so many celebrities, although people in baseball, uh, other sports, you know, Steve Kerr, uh, other, you know, head coaches, things like that. So it, that's, you know, and you appreciate it. Uh, that's very humbling because uh, they just keep going. And I, I don't know, I had seven or 800 and, uh, um, you know, it just takes a while to get back, but I try to get back to everybody so somebody's out there and happened to be listening i didn't man i apologize because <laughs> uh, you get a little lost on where you're at but uh, that's that's the fun part about it well boach you know the thing that's so fascinating is you know you were retired right i mean you're you're kicking back in nashville you're doing your thing <laughs> uh i'm i'm wondering when you started to connect the dots all right getting the opportunity and deciding that this would be the right fit and then coming in an environment where you've been off for a little while and the, the rules are different, right? Rules are chained. Uh, can you tell us about like what you brought to what is really constant about baseball that didn't matter, the timing, the environment, the rules, the steadiness that that you kind of found that was universally true to allow you to be su- this successful in this season? Yeah. And, you, you know, to your point, it that's, that's, you know, a pretty big adjustment for someone who's been out for a while and getting caught up with everything, the analytics and everything. But the one constant, the one, you know, some variables that, you know, have to be there in our game that are never going to change, Doug. I, I, and I talked about them uh, that spring or one, well, the, the fundamentals, uh, the fundamentals of the game, you know, you know, doing your job, doing what's right out there. Of course, executing, uh, you know, the little things in our game, you know, uh, whether you're on you know, defense, offense, doing little things to help your team win, and and the other one that was that's big to me is just playing as one. You know, playing playing together. Uh, uh, you know, creating that environment that hopefully brings out the best in these guys. And uh, 
and get them to pay for the right reason. And so that's, that's always got to be there. I mean, you can have all the information and all the tools and the new drills and all that, but you know, you know, certain things have to be there and they're important to me. And that's what we talked about in the spring. And, and I can't say enough, uh, you know, before we went on, you and I were talking about it, but you know, just, just being an unselfish group and doing what, what's best for the club, setting aside your own agenda. And we had guys that do that, that did that. You know, just to give you an example, you know, you look at, you know, Martin Perez, who was a starter. He went to the pen. Uh, Haney, uh, um, Scherzer was wanting to pitch in the pen. All these guys were wanting to do whatever uh, it took, you know, to win. They didn't care how we did it. They just cared that we did it. And so, to me, that always has to be there for, for good teams, for championship teams, and that's never going to change. You know, Poach, I, I know you're aware that when you won that World Series, you did some cool and historic stuff. Uh, I'm guessing you also know I keep track of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I, l- let me run three cool things by you. Uh, I'd just love to get your reaction. The first, you, you alluded to this. It wasn't enough for you to end one half-century title drought in San Francisco. Now you've ended another one in Texas. It was 52 years Zero parades till you showed up <laughs> one year with Bruce Pochi in charge, one parade. And here's the best part, I think. You know how many managers in history have ended two title drafts of 50 years or more? There's only one, and that is you. Uh, I just wondered if anyone has mentioned that to you before. And what's the meaning personally to you of being that guy who did something like that? Yeah, no, no one's mentioned that. That's the first time I heard it uh, is right now. So uh, I didn't didn't think about it, to be honest. Uh, now, I, I know there's some guys that have won you know, championships with, uh, you know, different teams, different leagues. Uh, but, no, I, I didn't know about the drought thing, to be honest. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty cool. I, I'm, I'm lucky. I know how blessed I am because you got to have the resources and the people to do it and uh, to be part of that first one. There's nothing like it. And, you know, it's a gift that keeps on giving, I say. And, you know, I'm still getting, you know, messages, texts, letters. Uh, and that will continue from my experience from spring, you know, as we go in spring training and even the start of the season. But we're, we're going to have to get ready. But, um, no, it, it does mean a lot. And, that's, you know, something that we talked about, uh, you know, as a group. But, you know, the one thing we wanted to do is – bring the pride back uh, to the fans, uh, bring the pride back to ownership, uh, to, you know, uh, to ourselves. And, and I can't say enough about what these guys did, uh, you know, it's playing for a reason for a cause. And, and these guys uh, did that. And, and so that's what makes it so special when, uh, um, you know, something like this happens, but no, that's, 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 well, that's pretty cool. I, I, first time I've heard of it, Jason. Well, I'm glad to be the one to pass that along, but I'm not done. (laughs) I know you've also heard you're only the sixth manager to win four World Series or more. But, you know, there's a major difference between you and the other five who did it. Three of them started managing baseball games more than 85 years ago. Uh, You're the only one who has managed every postseason game of his life. Um, at a time when the postseason consisted of at least three rounds. 
have you ever thought about how much less gray hair you'd have if you'd have gone right from the season to the World St- Series without having to deal with that wild card series and the division series? Yeah, it's funny you say that because uh, I've mentioned that a few times. Uh, your life would be easier if you didn't have to, you know, go through the steps that you have to, especially when you're a wild card. You know, I look back at our, our times as a wild card, Baumgartner, I mean, he was unbelievable, but, uh, you know, for us to, and then it went, you know, this year it was, you know, the best out of three. So you had a little room for error. So, you know, that's, you know, that takes a little, I can't say much pressure off, but maybe a, a touch because it does give you, you know, that added margin of error. But, you know, it's, uh, it, it is more difficult, no getting around it. And you look at the teams we had to go through, and that's why these guys amazed me. Um, just amazed me what, what they did. I mean, we you know, had to go through Tampa, Baltimore, and Houston, and uh, that's that's a long, tough road. And But, you know, that's what made it even that much uh, better, that much more special. Yeah. All right, one more thing. Uh, oh, you yeah. know what else you did last fall, right? You You finally won a World Series in an odd year. <laughs> before last year you won three world series all in even years but here's the part that was crazy to me in the even years your teams in the postseason went 44 and 13 but in the odd years somehow in your entire life you would never won a postseason game until last year so, i know you're a great mathematical mind i don't explain that Gosh, I wish I had a way to explain that. Uh, oh, man, I'm glad you didn't tell me that before the, you know, the game started. You're oh, geez. But I know I, you know, I I look back at, uh, uh, you know, when I was with uh, San Diego, I know St. Louis, they, they gave us a hard time. And then, of course, uh, you know, and, well, in San Francisco, we did get there on even year, but we got knocked out. But I, I didn't know that, man. How? how who comes up with this? That's pretty good. Yeah. That's my That's crazy hard. mind at work. I'm sorry. Yeah. But I, you know what? With all that said, I hope we get back to winning in even years. I'll say yeah. that. Yeah. Well, all the, all the years are good, right? Yeah. Exactly. They're all good. They're all good. So, Votes, I mean, I, I know at one point we, we talked about just sort of your managerial journey. Um, and I guess it's like, when when you first started managing, did you was it like automatic that you were like, okay, we're gonna win this? Like, sort of when did that belief in like your your skills and the people around you gel to say like, wait a minute, anything is possible, and this is something that I feel like I'm connected to, I'm natural at, and uh, you know, I guess when did you kind of have that feeling? Well, as far as managing, I, I'll say this, Doug. I mean, it's hard to. It's always hard to say. Well, we're, we're you know we're going to win the championship, uh, but I my first year managing was in the Northwest League, and I just felt so comfortable. I said, "Man, this is this is what I think I should be doing." Now I didn't know I would manage in the major leagues. I had that on such a pedestal. I I didn't see that coming. You know, I, Dick Williams and those guys, Sparky Anderson and Larusa, and uh, um, but. You know, I I started. I mean, I had some success in the minor league, so you know that breeds uh, confidence. And you know, we had won three championships down there, and and so you know, 
you start feeling like, you know, you, you know, you, you have a way of hopefully uh, helping the guys win and, uh, and making a difference, but uh, you get humbled in our game too. And, uh, um, you know, I had, had one of my rough, uh, rough toughest years in uh, the minor leagues after uh, winning uh, three years. And so that's, uh, you know, that's a humbling aspect of it. But uh, if I'm going to get specific this year, you know, I felt good about this team when I went in. And we mentioned it earlier about it being a right fit. I, you know, you look at the, you know, Simeons and Seegers and Lowe's and, and Youngs and uh, Garcias. And, you know, we, we needed some pitching. And, and CY said, we're going to go out and get pitching. And Ray Davis' owner came to the house and said, we're going to go out and get pitching. Well, I felt like we had a, a team that could make some noise if we did that. And they went out and they did spend some money. And uh, fortunately, we lost to Grom, which, you know, a lot of the pundits said, well, you know, if they get there, they lost their chance of winning the World Series because that's the guy that's going to carry you there. And uh, um, But I, I looked at the rest of the staff and I said, you know what? This team in spring training just had a presence about them. They they just they had it all that confidence uh, that you love, and you know that comes from you know guys who have been there. You know, like the Seegers and the Evaldis and those guys. And, and so I, I felt really good about this team getting to the postseason. I did. Now you know for for someone to say, "Hey, we're going to win a World Series," you know that. You know, once you get there, you know, it can be a bit of a crapshoot, no get, getting around it. But what I did love about this uh, club was how how resilient, man. They were tough. They bounced back. We, we got hit a lot. We, we, we took some some blows there, but they kept getting up, uh, you know, losing to Grom, Evaldi, uh, uh, Seeger early. You know, and, but they just focused forward and kept going. That's the men or something special. And, of course, where your season ended, uh, you know, of course – the naysayers were out there again, and uh, we had to go in Tampa and win. But once they did that, I said, this is a special group. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I will say it's it's a special group, and they find a way, and sure enough, they, they did. You know, in that same vein, you had such a comfort level with those guys that you managed in San Francisco. How would you describe what it was like um, – to, not so much to manage this group in Texas, but to connect with the group. Was it challenging or was it almost uh, invigorating, you know, to have to start over and learn what makes so many new players tick? You know what? I, I think both. I you, you look at it. I mean, it, I've been out for three years. I'm older. I mean, they dropped grandpa on me a few times, trust me. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but you, you want to be able to connect. And I, I give players their space. I give them their clubhouse. But, uh, you know, I think they know I'm, I'm, I'm accessible. I'm available. And, you know, we talk about that. I want them to come in and, uh, you know, when they come in. But uh, I want them to be ready to be part of the solution, whatever the question is. And, uh, and so I, I think – there's just a mutual respect, uh, uh, you know, with my time in the game and with, with their time in the game. So that, that made it easy, that transition to getting back in the game. For me, invigorating. Uh, when I landed uh, in Arizona and get ready to go, you know, this uh, surprise, I, I, I mean, I was so excited. And, uh, you know, to get in that clubhouse and then when that first game started to be in that dugout, it just – it's, I said, man, I miss this. And, uh, 
Uh, I just felt like I was, I'm, I'm where I should be. And, and you never know when it's going to hit you when it's time to, you know, hit the pause button or step back again. But I will say this year, you take three years off, Jason, I'm going to tell you what, you get such a deeper appreciation of what it was or what you have in the game of baseball and how blessed we are to be doing what, what we're doing here. And, uh, uh, so that, you know, that hit me more this year than ever. I bet. It, do you ever play the what if game? I, I, I know it's weird to live in the what if universe, but you easily could have stayed retired and just kept enjoying living that life. It's like, so the what if is what if you had told Chris Young, hey, I'm happy. I don't really <laughs> want to come back. You, you think about that? I you know what I, I, I have a couple of times, to be honest. And, and probably the reason I do is because um, right before I took the job, my wife kept saying, what is it about your life you don't like? You get up <laughs> when you want, you fish, you golf, you know, you sit in your recliner, you can watch gun smoke and things like that. And, uh, and uh, I said, man, I, I just miss it. And, uh, and then afterward with us talking, I said, you know, if I wouldn't have done this, I wonder how much I would have regretted uh not coming back, you know, if they would, you know, won the World Series. and uh, uh, But even if they didn't win the World Series, it was the group. It was the, the, the front office, the connections, CY and I had, and, and his staff, uh, ownership, uh, and the players, and the staff. I didn't bring on anybody. I, I kept the staff. We brought in a couple guys, uh, Will Venable, who I'd, I'd known a little bit, but uh, – you know, we just uh, connected so well. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I would have really missed that in our clubhouse. I mean, you've seen our clubhouse guys. And, you know, I, I still remember Greg Maddox walking in. You know, Mike's brother, he comes in and he says, well, no wonder you're retired. You don't have this at home. You can't get, you know, get this uh, treatment that you're getting here, the food and everything. So, uh, no, to, to experience what I did, I mean, I wouldn't have known it if I wouldn't have done this, but uh, I, I will say I, I would have regretted it, I think. And, you know, when you're in that place where you're not sure, you know, but you really want to get back, um, you need to scratch that itch, I think. If not, then, you know, you're getting older, and, you know, that window's not going to be there. In fact, I didn't know if that window would be there after taking three years off. But you know, there it was. It was you know, it was there. I was lucky, and the fit that uh, it was again, just totally blessed. Well, uh, well, Boach, was there a, a moment where you, you you know you came back, you're getting to know your team, and then you were like, "Wow, this is really different from when I last managed." Like, was it you know analytics, technology? Was there anything that just sort of like, "Whoa, what are these guys doing?" Yeah, I'll be honest. It, it, well, it's not totally different because we use uh, analytics, and that's I'm just using that because that's the biggest difference in the game now. You know, we, we use it in San Francisco, but it, you know, it's it just you know, there's so much more information. I, I don't know what a lot of this stuff is, but I'm being <laughs> honest, you know, you throwing yeah. out equations or whatever. Uh, um, you know, I, I uh, have a tremendous uh, um, liaison and Bobby Bandalo kind of transferred, you know, transferred the information to me and Mike and uh, he's awesome. He's so good. And, uh, you know, he's, he gets our, you know, he gets, you know, he understands, uh, you know, our side, just like we understand his side. So there's a good blend. And, 
we work very well together. But I mean, it can be overwhelming when you go into uh, uh, a meeting sometimes, and some of these guys are talking, and you know, you're looking, going, "I've been doing this 25 years. I'm not sure what he just said." But you know, <laughs> but they get that and they laugh, and I tell them, "Yeah, I have fun with it." And I said, "You got to put this in a little different terms for me," but. Uh, all the good humor, uh, but there's uh, and that's the key, you know. It, it, I work with anybody as long as we're working together, and uh, that's that's you now that's the great thing about the staff that we have. Well, Boach, is there is there like a data point that you kind of saw and was like, wait, this is actually really interesting? Like, any, has any metric come up that you have appreciation for that you, you kind of had an instinct for before, but now you actually have the numbers? Yeah, you know, I, I'd say probably as much as anything, uh, uh, when when you're looking at pitching, uh, how how you're attacking the hitters, you know, the, the shape of the breaking balls, the different breaking balls that you throw hitters. Uh, I mean, you're always going to know their hot zone and when you know where where you want to stay away from and everything. But uh, um, but just um, you know the detail that uh, goes into this, you know, that they're hitting 080 off of this pitch or this pitch. And uh, we just didn't quite have that information at times. Uh, although in San Francisco, I will say we, you know, we, we could get that, but uh, 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 really, uh, I think across the board, you, you, I mean, you're looking at um, – the leads, uh, things like that. Now it's they got it so measured on, you know, how far to get off, how far you should get off, uh, uh, you know, stat cast, uh, uh, things like that. To, you know, to help you actually teach it and help make these players better. So uh, it's it's quite a few that, you know, I feel like I've always used the analytics even before it was talked about back in '95. The first year I had a job. But I was doing the covering on the charting and all that. But it just you got a lot of smart people in the world and they're they're all, you know, they're all gonna add something. And uh and so we we have those guys too, and they, they you know, they bring things to light for me, which I'm I'm grateful because I wanna learn, I wanna get better, but you know, I I'm not smart enough to get all this in my head, trust me. Hey, let's talk a little about the twenty twenty four Rangers. Um you're your offseason for your team has been interesting. Uh, Jordan Montgomery was your what co-ace in October, along with with Avaldi. He's a free agent. Martin Perez was a free agent. He's gone. Uh, he traded for Max Scherzer. He's out for probably what half the season after the back surgery. How much starting pitching are you going to need between now and opening day? Well, I think it's fair to say to see why this kind of what we're that's what we're looking at i mean we had to have a rotation you know if you if you look at our guys i mean bradford would be in the rotation uh, obviously right now and uh you know you got heaney gray and evaldi and um who, who am i leaving out there senior moment but uh, uh we we have five oh hey, uh, dunning dunning, right? yeah dunning i'm yeah. sorry but uh yeah so we we do have a, a, a rotation and you know uh, we I, obviously we like some depth there too, and uh, you never know what's going to happen. We saw what happened last year, and that's where a guy like Dane Dunning, who started in our bullpen, ended up going in a rotation. We brought up Bradford, so you know those we, we'll need uh, 
you know, some guys within that we can uh, call on and help us out. But I think it's fair to say, you know, if there's something out there and, uh, that, that we can get done, see why he's going to do it. Uh, uh, but pitching, you can't get enough of. And, you know, same with the bullpen. You know, we're, you know, we're still looking out there at bullpen pieces. We lost a couple important pieces. Will Smith, for example, went to Kansas City, played a major role. You know, especially when we had issues in our setup and closing situation to start the season, he helped, he helped stabilize that. Uh, you know, Chapman's not with us. Uh, Stratton, uh, he left. So these are holes to fill, and they're experienced guys. So, no, we're, we're very much aware of it. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get this piece together. One thing I will say is our ownership is – has shown that they, they will go out and give us resources. They've already, I mean, that's been proven. You looked at what happened last year. So, you know, I, I'm certainly uh, confident that something out there uh, can get done. We'll get it done. Okay. I know you're going to get Max back uh, and Jacob DeGrom back at some point this year, if all goes well. What are the chances you could also add a left-handed starter who's won a bunch of Cy Youngs in L.A.? <laughs> you know, just in case a guy like that, say, had interest in pitching someplace like Texas? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the question. Obviously better for uh, C.Y. for Chris Young. But, uh, yeah, he's out there. And of course, I see being in that division. I saw enough of Clayton. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. You know, I haven't had any conversations with him. I can tell you that. But, uh yeah, I'm, I'm curious what you know what's going to happen there. Obviously, with with uh, him, and I don't mean with us, but just what what he's going to do. So uh, I can't I can't talk on that. But uh, uh, but you know we do have some help coming, as you said. We've got Tyler Molly too, and he's 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 a big arm, nice arm. That uh, you know we we you know at that deadline, it's like we're making two or three trades there when these guys hopefully knock on wood, no setbacks if they're ready to go. Oh, but do you already have like your kind of spring training speech, like, you know, kind of in your mind? Like, I mean, what do you say to this team? Like in, in all these years when we won the world series and went back the next year, is there a theme that you try to draw on? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll, uh, I'm, I think, a lot of managers will tell you, I know with me, I something that hit me, it could be watching a movie, something they hit me <laughs> or thought, you know, it's, uh, uh, and you wake up at night sometimes and, you know, something that hits you. But, uh, you know, I think a big part is what, you know, how, how we can improve. That's, that's you know, your our game. That's, that's what you got to do. Uh, if not, you know, you're going to get passed by. So, you know, what – what uh, work well for us, uh, where we can improve. And of course, you know, you, you gotta uh, have the same attitude you had the year before. The last thing we need to do is get complacent. And, uh, and it's a good group. I'm not worried about that, but, uh, but to your point, yeah, they're still going through my head. You know, it's a rainy day today. And I was just thinking of some things. Uh, I got my grandson here, so he, he, he's a pretty big distraction, but, uh, uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's actually fine, and uh, but you know we'll uh, you know we'll get closer to spring training, then you kind of you know get it all in your head, you know, before you leave. Can, can we do some just some quick hits? Uh, I'll just say the name of a player on your team. Just give me a few words to describe what you think of 
when you think of that player. Okay. Uh, start with Adolis Garcia. Passionate. You know, plays with a lot of emotion. And it's, it's just a fun guy, entertaining uh, player to watch. Marcus Simeon. Serious discipline. Uh, leads by example with his work ethic. Nathan Avaldi. Big game player, uh, pitcher. Uh, uh, just has that maniacal focus you love on the mound. <laughs> love maniacal focus. Speaking of which, Max Scherzer. <laughs> Max. Uh, entertaining. I'll, I'll start with Max. Entertaining, <laughs> uh, but uh, highly competitive. Uh, all about winning. Uh, you know, and which they all are, but. Uh, you, you see why he's pitched so long when you get a chance to know him. All right, Corey Seager. Corey Seager, very, uh, again, serious, uh, but all about winning, too. Oh, it's uh, Corey, very disciplined with his routine, uh, doesn't waver from it, uh, spends hours uh, preparing for a game as prepared as any player I've had. All right, one more. Evan Carter. Evan Carter. Um, um, got a thing from Evan. Uh, um, youthful enthusiast, uh, enthusiasm that uh, uh, really did a lot for our club. A talented uh, kid that can play anywhere, will play anywhere, will do anything asked. Uh, uh, he's, he's got a nice future. You were good at this game. <laughs> I said a few words. You know how to answer it a few words. Well done. Yeah. Well, I, now I'm going. It's easier when you go longer. I <laughs> took uh, my first interview. It's funny you say that. I still remember talking to Larry Lucchino and John Moore as they come in to meet me. And Larry Lucchino, this is kind of my interview. Randy Smith was the general manager that he gets – he goes, give me a one-word description of every player in your team. Uh, one word. <laughs> now, how many times can you say competitive? Or, you know, so, you know, the more you can talk about them, the easier. But, uh, yeah. Can I give one more? Yeah. Well, but I, I'm interested in Travis Jankowski because I, uh, I, was, I called the game when LSU lost to Stony Brook when he was playing there. I had a lot of players drafted off that team that really talented. And he was the leadoff guy, uh, good speed, incredible defense. And it's kind of like been able to bridge, you know, kind of the fourth outfielder defensive speed guy and turned it into, you know, a champion. Uh, can you, can you talk about Travis and just his journey and, and what he meant to the team? Boy, hey, I, I mean, what a great story. He comes in spring training and, you know, I got, got to see a lot of them with San Diego when I was with the giants and, uh, he had a horrible spring. I mean, it couldn't have gone worse. And, you know, I've been there where you're trying to make the team, you're trying to make an impression, and he just felt too much pressure, I think, which he can handle, but that's a lot of pressure. And I finally said, hey, I know you're a better player than this. Uh, don't worry about it. And, and so at the end, we didn't have a spot on our club, and Tavares goes down. And so all of a sudden we do that. I mean, he was out there. He could have gone anywhere, but 
decided to stay there right at the end of spring training. And sure enough, we activated them. And, uh, um, but you can't have a, a more valuable player on your team that's not a starter. Uh, this guy, he can play defense. He, uh, he's a great base runner, bunner, uh, gives you good at bats. Uh, uh, and what a great teammate. And uh, so um, I, I just love the guy. And he saved us uh, more than once because, you know, we had injuries uh, in that outfield, including Garcia going down. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's really cool to see somebody like that get rewarded and have the year that he had because he came in as a non-roster. It looked like he was getting cut. And next thing you know, he's on our club and stays the whole year and has a tremendous year and gets a World Series ring. All right, one more for me, Boach. Uh, December, January, we're Hall of Fame time. We've already had Jim Leland get elected. We've got um, – the writer's vote will be announced here in a couple of weeks. And it all makes me think about you. You've won four World Series. Uh, I mean, you're the lockiest lock ever to make it when you finally appear on one of these ballots. Have you thought about the Hall of Fame, what it would be like to see your plaque alongside those other plaques in Cooperstown? Does that ever cross your mind? I'll be honest. No, I, 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 I'm, I'm not just saying it. I'm not doing the humble thing, but I, I, I haven't. I, it's hard for me to even, even grasp that. Uh, you know, it just, it's just wrapped that around my head because you know it's such a sacred place. And granted, it's, it's, you know, we're talking about managers, but uh, I was very, I was so happy for uh, Jimmy. And uh, uh, but no, I, I haven't, I haven't. Uh, you know, because I even had somebody ask or more than one say, well, now you got back in, you know, you had a chance of going to home. That never crossed my mind. So, <laughs> so I think that should help answer the question that, no, it's not something I think about. <laughs> That's true. You could have you could have sat out managing and we'd be shaking your hand right now. <laughs> so yeah. I think it does answer the question. Boach, it is always such a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, you're the best man. Congratulations on all of this. And we look forward to seeing you at a ballpark and in Starkville again real soon. Well, I appreciate it. Again, great talking with you guys. And let's all have a great year. I'll see you at the park. Awesome. Yeah, Boach. We'll catch up soon. Thank you, Boach. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever. And that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network. You're there to look for jobs. You're there to post jobs. And how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. 
All right, it's that time again. It's time for listener trivia, our way of involving you, our favorite listeners in this show. Uh, Doug, we actually have not done one of these trivia segments since November, right? So we're, we're still coming off our greatest trivia season in recorded Starkville history. And well, as we all know, there's no greater history than Starkville history. <laughs> we got at least one trivia question right in every calendar month in 2023 in mm-hmm. which we actually tackled a question. So I'm curious, Doug, really? what's your prediction for 2024? Um, are, are we just going to take off from here, like maybe Julio Rodriguez, or have we peaked? And do we now start doing our descent into a decline where we eventually get no questions right for the rest of our lives? Well, I want to figure out if we're like an odd year or even year team, uh, a la the Bruce Bochy yeah. effect. Yeah. I don't know. So I, I want to find out. Uh, but I'm going to start off. I think we might get five questions right in a month. That's that's my goal. Have we done that? Uh, just in case there's like an extra Monday or Tuesday. Uh, oh, if we could do yeah. that, I, I feel like that might happen. Okay, that's our, that's where we're going to draw the bar. I'll take the under on that bar, but anything's possible. It's a new yes. year. We're writing a whole new story, and we're going to go with all of the unbridled optimism inside our souls. And on yes. that note, we're about to take on a trivia category, Glanville, never before tackled on this Ooh. show. Wow. Not just trivia, my friend, but raised trivia. Okay. So let's welcome in this week's special trivia guest star. It's Kyle Spiker from beautiful Tampa Bay. Kyle, welcome to Starkville. Thank you, guys. How's it going? Great. Going great. All right. Um, yeah. You know, Kyle, the, the one thing I can see from your X feed is that you're a gigantic Tampa Bay sports fan. So this is your chance to tell all of Starkville a little about yourself, aside from the part where you single-handedly negotiated that deal for the Rays' new ballpark. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It was a pleasure for me to, to get it done. Uh, still waiting to cut some final, uh, clear some hurdles here at the end. Yeah, uh, no, I, I'm a former Buccaneers uh, season ticket holder. Uh, been to dozens and dozens of Rays games, including back in the inaugural season. Uh, I was at a game where a foul ball broke a light on the catwalk. So, you know. <laughs> Primo, primo stuff there, uh, lightning as well, and um, just uh, really excited to be part of the show today. Thank you. We're excited to have you. I love the catwalk, by the way. You know that. Uh, <laughs> that makes two of us. Yeah. Also, uh, I'll be roaming around your part of the world in just a few weeks in spring training. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll see you somewhere in my spring training sure. travels. Um, but now, enough of that chit chat, Kyle. Mm-hmm. It's time for you to hit us with the first raised trivia question we have ever handled had to answer on this show okay so you guys can put the thinking caps on in a moment took too long i'm gonna put my cap on here there you go there we go yeah i love it um all right so the phrasing is important here uh in the illustrious history of the Tampa bay double race slash race there have only been three hitters who the race have drafted and developed who have made an all-star team with the race so again the important part there Drafted by the drafted, Rays, made an all-star team with the Rays. Rays, right? Okay. So nobody who drafted, they drafted and took off, or no free agents, drafted, drafted and developed. Okay. And they yeah, could have um, they could have left and come back. I mean, all that's all fair game. <laughs> sure. Who would that be? 
Okay. You know, I've spent so much time around the Rays through the years. I, When I first saw this question, I thought, this will be easy. But really? then I started thinking about it, and I realized it's harder than I thought. I think there are two reasons. One, one is there's so many guys who we think of as Rays who were not drafted by the Rays. They came right. over in trades, you know, that Willie Adamas, Randy Rosarino, all those guys, before they were even in the big leagues, the Rays traded for them. Uh, so that's one thing. The second thing yeah, is, it, I, like, I think of former Rays, and it feels like I, I think about pitchers. David Price, <laughs> James Shields. Uh, I know Chris Archer and Tyler Glass now came over in trades, but... It feels like I've spent so much time talking mm -hmm. to Rays pitchers and not enough time talking to Rays hitters. So trying yeah. to come up with three hitters that the Rays drafted and mm -hmm. then went on to become All-Stars was a fun challenge. So I, here, here's what I've got done. One, obviously, Evan Longoria, right? Greatest hitter the Rays ever drafted and mm -hmm. developed. Uh, Kyle, you think it's safe to say he's the greatest hitter the Rays ever drafted and developed? He He's on the Mount Rushmore of Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, it is. Can you imagine a Mount Rushmore right, hanging right by the beach in Clearwater? Maybe <laughs> a water park or something. Just a sand sculpture. Uh, okay, so Evan Longoria, I, I think, has to be one. Uh, I think the second feels like it should be Carl Crawford. You know, he stole all those bases, you know, all the doubles and the triples and all that stuff. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. big seasons for that team. Great. So it feels like yeah. two of these guys should be Longoria and Crawford. And then who is the third? And the most tempting answer to mm -hmm. me was BJ Upton. Mm -hmm. I'm actually not sure if he ever made an all-star team though, as a Ray, you know, all three of those guys were teammates. Um, would three Rays have made an all-star team? I don't, I'm not so sure of that. So let's all hold him there. Uh, Two hitters the Rays took with the first pick in the country in the draft. But they also had strange journeys. And mm -hmm. Josh Houghton was one. He never did anything for the Rays. Delman Young, mm -hmm. another, caused a yeah. lot of issues. I got in the middle of one of those once. Uh, he got traded away pretty quickly. I, I, I just don't think they're the answer. Uh, and, and the other problem is they had some really – bad teams in those early years of the franchise and you know how it works like there's got to be an all-star from every team they're the kind of teams where i one ray has to get picked so they pick somebody to be the extra catcher or the third shortstop or whatever but who is that we're, jason bartlett i don't know yeah, I'm, just, that's a... I'm, I'm stuck so beyond those names i've thrown out there i i'm i'm kind of stumped who's on your list yeah, I mean, well, the two right away, I, that's the first two I thought of, Crawford and, and Longoria, even though yeah. I'm like, well, was Crawford drafted by, you know, the Expos or something? <laughs> so, oh. um, but, you know, I was thinking, is it more recent? You know, like, there, there's sometimes that sneaks up on you, right? The guys, um, like a guy like, well, who Kevin Kiermaier, for example, is he... I thought about him. I don't think... Did he, he make an all-star all team? I don't think he's you know, I know, Maybe it's all the gold glove. Probably should have. Um, you know, and guys like, well, there's always the Lao low effect, right? Low Lao. Low. <laughs> Brandon um, Lao's a good one. I thought Lao would be a good Brandon one. Brandon Lao's a really good one, man. Um, He's better guess than BJ Upton, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm just That's trying to think. Oh, um, well, so he wasn't drafted by the Rays. Ben Zobris, right? He was a Royal or whatever. Who was he drafted uh, by? Yeah. Right. Not. Uh, oh. Wait. No, I don't think. No, I'm, I'm confused now. But I, you're right. He was not an original Ray, was he? No, wait. He got traded by the Rays. Or the, well, the Royals. The Royals. Was, that was after. That was after. Right. Went to the Royals after the Rays. Maybe he was drafted by the Rays. Okay. It's so hard. Isn't it hard to know? I can't remember. That's mm. another great guess, though. Cubs, Rays. We went, no, he went Rays, Royals, Cubs. Rays, Royals, Cubs, right. He won the World Series for the Royals, then he won the World Series for the Cubs. Mm, okay. Yeah, My best point. guesses were Lau and, and Zobris. <laughs> okay. So, um, I mean, I know we're just throwing darts, but. Yeah, those are good darts, though. All right. So, we'll go with Longoria and Crawford. I'll let you figure out. And we didn't. We didn't negotiate. We're not going to negotiate. I don't want to negotiate in January. I want to save it for the season. Yeah, there's no. It's three answers. Is not over three answers. So, yeah, 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 we're, we're not doing two out of three on this one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good, three good out of four. So you have to pick the third. Uh, that would be among Brandon Lau, um, Ben Zobrist, BJ Upton. So on you, Glanville. Ah. Uh. Well, I, I feel very confident in Zobras as an all-star, so that's that feels good. All right, let's do that. Um, Want to do that? I, let's, see. let's do that. What year? <laughs> uh, he was, you know what? He was like he was the king of the wins above replacement leaderboard. That's a good Yeah. Guess. All right. That's a good guess. That's a good guess. All, all right. So, okay. So, Kyle, any chance that it's Evan Longoria... Carl Crawford, Ben Zobrist. Sorry, guys. Two out of three. Oh, so uh, close. All right. So, uh, first two, obvious, as you had said. Evan Longoria, drafted in uh, 2006, made the All-Star team in his rookie year in 08, all the way through 2011, four times. Carl Crawford, uh, drafted by the Rays in 1999, Turning down uh, offers from the Nebraska Cornhuskers, play quarterback, etc. Made the All-Star team in 04, 07, 09, and 2010, including an All-Star wow. MVP, I believe, in 07, when he hit a homer and he made that uh, home yeah. run saving catch in St. Yeah. Louis. The third one, you mentioned him from the 2015 draft, Brandon Lau, oh, one-time yeah. All-Star 2019. One time snuck in wait, there. That's wait, right. wait to talk us out of the right answer there, Glenville. <laughs> yeah. We did it again. Zobr- so who's Zobris drafted by? There, uh, Zobris, uh, I've got him up here, drafted by Houston in uh, 04. Right. Yeah. Traded, uh, he was part of the Aubrey Huff trade. Oh, so okay. Houston, uh, wow. But never got there, right. There's many others, many pitchers who've had success. Yeah. Christ, James Shields, uh, yeah. Chris Archer was um, – uh, one of them also, and then guys like Austin Meadows uh, was a trade target. Matt Joyce, Jason yeah. Bartlett, who we, you had mentioned. Um, well, so many. Uh, BJ, well, BJ Upton was what was his story? Well, zero time all star. Zero time all star. Yeah, yeah. You, you yeah, know, Doug. But- I, I like. I hate that we're zero for one this year. I actually don't feel too awful about this. <laughs> um, we've gone we where had the right guess. We had the right guesses. Mark, That's why we do the extra. Operation Multiple Choice would be in good shape. <laughs> I know. You're going to have to m- manipulate that Glanville line just a little bit, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> at any rate, uh, it, it, we haven't even gotten to the best part of this segment because that's the part that doesn't involve us. So, 
for the first time in 2024. Why don't we bring in the beloved mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, to play another fabulous play-by-play clip involving this week's answer. So, Tim, we're going to have some great Rays moment in time. I can't wait to see what you got. We are going back to, and Kyle mentioned it, actually 2007, Carl Crawford Homer. 2009, he was the MVP of the All-Star Game uh, in St. Louis. Biggest play of the game, actually defensive, which is pretty cool. So we're going to go with that one. Hop goes after the first pitch. Launches one to deep left field at the wall. Caught by Crawford, one out. What a catch by Carl Crawford to start the seventh. If Carl does not make this leap, it would have been a home run. So a home run saving catch by Carl Crawford, acknowledged by Papelbon. Wow. Um, so good. And like doubly meaningful to me to hear that clip. Uh, Kyle, I don't know if you heard this news, but uh, it was announced today. I got elected to the National Sports Casters and Sports Writers Hall of Fame. And I got and two of the guys I'm going in with are Joe Buck and Tim McCarver. And we just oh, yeah. them okay. call that moment. So good, right? Um, Kyle, we loved your question, man. Great to question. talk to you. Um, go have a grouper sandwich for us. And please come <laughs> back and visit us again in Starkville, okay? All right. Thank you guys so much. Sliding, catching, and going into the dugout. Uh, Doug, last time I checked, it was still the offseason. So um, yes. even though I, you should know I actually wrote a weird and wild football column this week, <laughs> the athletic with Jake Seeley from our fantasy group. Uh, but this is not going to be the strange, but true portion of these festivities. <laughs> yes. This is where we get to hang out in the dugout. Uh, mm-hmm. That's where our friend Doug Glanville uh, is gathering anyone who will listen to him. <laughs> okay. Yes. And so he gets captive to audience. In. Yep. We're very captive. <laughs> and this is where Doug will spin his great stories about his life and his times theoretically in baseball. But today I just feel like I need to warn everybody out there. (laughs) I'm not sure this qualifies as a story, quote unquote. You know what it's going to qualify as? I'm going to go with the term victory lap. (laughs) See, a few weeks ago, uh, Major League Baseball announced a bunch of new rules for 2024. One of them appears to have stemmed directly from the ranting and raving of our friend Doug Glanville, his very self. <laughs> so, Doug, they've redefined the running lane between home and first. Uh, I don't know how you got their attention or why they actually listened to you. Waving, but you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get out of the way. Uh, tell us all about why you've always hated the running lane, how you somehow got Major League Baseball to, what, not ignore you? <laughs> yes, yes, I did. I, I was I was a, the wild man, you know, in the parking lot with protest signs, uh, yes. and I just continued to, uh, you know, march my way. But, yes, it, you know, I, I realized I've tried to get perspective. I realized that I've been kind of ranting against, you know, the warning track. I had a whole column against the warning track. So I was like, all right, I want to make sure I'm, you know, not losing perspective here. So let me back up. But the running lane was very personal. And uh, it, I think it started by um, <clears throat> a couple of playing days moments when, well, one time I bunted against the Reds 
And, you know, I used to run, you know, straight line, right? So I was kind of across the field into the dirt to hit first base. And um, third baseman fields a bunt, throws it across. And I get there right when I think it was Casey playing first and boom, uh, knocked the ball out or whatever. But I was like, I was almost by him. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, great. You know, bunt base hit. Let's start it off. And Joe West <laughs> was the umpire. And he was like, not so fast. <laughs> <laughs> Calling you out, out of the running lane. I was like, from third base? you could." <laughs> so I had, first of all, I didn't realize, like, I thought the running lane was like, okay, catcher throwing the ball behind you, hits you in the back. I didn't realize that literally you could call it on any throw. And so I started a little bit of my animosity towards the running lane, but I didn't want to be just selfish about it. So I started to watch more and more. And I had a couple more plays like that. And yeah, I was an orthodox in how I ran to first because I usually was out in front, kind of hit a little little front leg at time. And then I would be, you know, getting good speed towards first, but I always start on the grass. So I was in the grass before I got to the bag, but shortest distance between two points, I'm just trying to get my base hit. But over time, I had to get a little more educated about it and not just be ranting. And moments started to pop up. And I, I think one of the bigger moments was Trey Turner, Trey Turner in the World Series, I uh, got called out on the running lane and, you know, it, it just led me to dive in a little deeper and I had to be a little more objective about it. So understanding that you want to, you're the runner, just like on a pop-up in the infield, when the fielder's attention is drawn to fielding that ball, you have the you know, obligation, right? To be the one to get out of the way because you see the play. Um, so, so I understood that there's a certain responsibility of you as the runner who can see things unfold when the, the fielder's attention is somewhere else. So I did respect that. But I also felt like with the running lane, and first of all, the running lane is in foul territory, right? And the base is in fair. So you already have a problem, especially for a right-handed hitter who's in fair and now has to run foul as if he's hitting a double and then go back into fair to get the base. I mean, that just made no sense at all. And if anything, you just put a second base there, uh, uh, an additional base there, and like, okay, like so you see it in softball sometimes, right? So that didn't make sense. And it was not natural for any right-hander to do that. And plus you are thinking about getting on base the shortest distance between two lines and you have to give all this up for an imaginary throw that hadn't even happened yet, right? <laughs> so, so, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that was bothersome to me. And on top of that, the, you, you talked about football. The football analogy is this. In football, you have pass interference. And, but there's two kinds of interference. There's defensive interference, right? You know, guy goes up, he's about to catch you, you hit him. Okay, that's interference. Just like in running down the line, uh, I, you know, I could cause interference. However, there's also offensive interference. And what that does is it gives mutual respect and equilibrium and balance to the right to the ball and right to execute the play to both defense and offense. Whereas the running lane, the way it seemed to be constructed was based on, well, God made a bad throw and it's on you to get out of the way and all these things. There's no onus on the defender to make the good throw. Like these are major league players, right? So if you make a bad throw up the line, hey, that's on you, dude. Like that's your throw. So just because now I have to get out of the way and comport myself to do all this stuff just because you made a bad throw. And I just think that that was problematic to me. Like, you know, I understand, like I give a little bit more wiggle room on the bunt. The catcher has to throw the ball. You know, and, and you know, they may not have time, but think about a, a strikeout call, you know, swinging miss ball gets by the catcher, the catcher. What do you see the catcher do? He runs and he creates an angle and then he makes the throw because 
he missed the ball, right? So he has to create the angle. Just like a double play ball, you know, any other lane, you see fielders trying to, you know, avoid the runner, right? They have to create the angle. So why can't we give that responsibility to shortstop, third baseman, second baseman? And why is it all on me as a runner to get out of the way uh, in on bad throws, right? So I just wanted to put, I'm not saying like, I understand I see the play and I, I have more power, but you still still put some pressure like offensive interference, which you don't hear called that often, but it is called and put that on the defense to make the throw. So what I appreciate is I ranted about it. I wrote about it. I was getting text messages on any running lane. Uh, Kyle <laughs> Tucker went ballistic last year. There was all kind of people and Kyle Schwarber. A lot of guys have been talking about it and I kept getting text messages. So I, you know, MLB, you know, in spring training, we go over the rules uh, I, of course, every year I've brought it up and one year they declared me the chairman of the running lane. They gave me, they bestowed that title upon me. <laughs> and all of a sudden this year I get a text message MLB and they're like, okay, I think you're going to get your wish. Um, you know, we could talk about it offline. And so I was like, very curious. I learned about it. And I, t- I sent a text back saying, you have given me Christmas, Hanukkah, Diwali, Eid, and Kwanzaa all in one <laughs> on this. It was over the holidays. So, uh, so I'm very happy. I, I, maybe it's not perfect, but they've widened the lane to encompass the, the whole, you know, dirt. And so you can be inside, you could be in fair territory and that makes more sense. And we'll see, I'll find something wrong with it eventually, but no, I think they're on the right track and I appreciate that. I had some role. I don't think I was everything in all this, but I had some role in <laughs> Pointing people in the in that direction. All I can tell you is my conversations with the people at Major League Baseball about this rule. Uh, your name <laughs> came up, and I didn't bring it up. Okay, <laughs> so you definitely played a role. The other thing is, I'm not sure we actually ever explained what the heck's changing. So I want to make sure we do that. They're going to widen the dirt area along that first baseline by six inches. So instead of guys having to zigzag between fair and foul territory, as you just described, Doug, when they're trying to get to first base, they can now, at least in theory, take a more direct route from home to first and not get called out for interference, at least in theory. Doug, does that cover it? Yes, yes. And, and you have some fair territory to run to the base, which yes. makes sense because the base is in fair territory. Umpires will still have certain discretion. And obviously, if you stick your elbow out, Lenny Dykstra or whatever, um, there's going to be certain things. But yeah, I think it's it's an elegant solution. I think it's uh, I think it has a lot of potential to just be what it is. And um, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. All right. I want to step in here to mention that you have been stuck on changing one rule. Meanwhile... I'm the guy who's come up with all sorts of brilliant ideas <laughs> or at least written about these brilliant ideas of, of different rules they could change, tweak. And how many of my ideas actually happen in the big leagues? I think hmm. we can agree that answer is none, correct? Is it none? You didn't get the double hook? When's the it's double hook much, coming? Okay, so the double hook never made it out of the Atlantic League. The other one oh. that I wrote about that at least showed up on a field somewhere was the, the pie slice, you know, the pie slice around second base. Yeah. So this is how they tweak the shift bands so that the, uh, the farther you are 
behind second base, the farther away you have to stand from the bag, just to allow more singles up the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that one has not made it out of the Florida State League. So I haven't mm-hmm. gotten out of the Atlantic League with one, one. Or the Florida State League with the other. Meanwhile, Doug Glanville has one idea. He won't <laughs> stop talking about it. And what happens? <laughs> they just give in. Just sort of stop calling and writing about it. What, you gotta, you gotta that? rant. You gotta, you gotta keep pounding the gavel. You gotta keep, you know, you know, and just be the the raging. You know, I've, I've I play the long game, man, long game, and uh, but I appreciate they they heard me on this one. Yeah, I'm not much of a ranter, but I should be. <laughs> uh, I, and I'll admit it, I'm happy for you. I'm a fan of this rule. Um, so, but here's the best news. This is the last time we'll ever have to talk about the running late on Starkville. So <laughs> oh, you, no. me, everybody out there, we can all move on the rest <laughs> of our lives. Doug Glanville, thank you. <laughs> all right, that's going to do it for this week's show. We'll be bringing you podcast magic just like this all off season long on the Athletic Baseball Show. And if you'd like to read any of the amazing hot stove baseball coverage, is the stove hot? Let's just say, let's go, we'll go with yes on that. If you'd like to read any of the hot stove baseball coverage in The Athletic, we can tell you how. Uh, Just go to theathletic.com slash baseball show. And if you are a new subscriber, you can subscribe for just $2 a month for the next 12 months. $2 seems kind of affordable, right? Uh, Meanwhile. You should also remember, you too can be part of this podcast. Every show, we pick the most fun listener trivia question of the week. Then that lucky listener gets to join us right here and prove once again, there's almost no baseball trivia question we can't get wrong. So how could you send a question to us? You can always email us at Starkville at theathletic.com. Starkville has an E on the end. Or you can do what most people do. Hit us with your questions at X, the site we used to know as Twitter. Doug, we used to know you as Doug Glanville. So how would mm-hmm. people direct a question at you on X? I always inspired by Twitter, uh, X formerly known as Twitter. So I just go back to my old tried and true Doug Glanville, formerly known as Doug Glanville. And therefore, it's at Doug Glanville. And just put D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E after the at symbol. And that's it. It's home. I am still known as Jason Stark, but you don't have to spell out my whole name. Only Glanville makes you do that. I am at J-A-Y-S-O-N-S-T. That's Jason with a Y-S-T. Also remember, hashtag those questions. Hashtag Starkville QS. Doug, thanks for playing. Thanks to Bruce Bochi for visiting us. Thanks to Kyle Spiker for the great trivia question. Thanks to the mayor of Starkville, Tim McManus, for producing us and putting up with us. And thanks to you all for listening. Doug and I will see you soon. Oh. Uh, Starkville. Starkville.